I wanted to jump in very quickly before you enjoy the edition of 15 Minutes with a Mentor to tell you about the newsletter that we recently launched at Recruitment Mentors a few weeks ago. It's called Limitless Learning and the whole premise and, and, and purpose of it is to directly send you practical advice, tips and tactics directly into your inbox that can help you improve as a recruiter. The feedback so far from the three editions that we've released have been fantastic. For example, the last edition was on five questions you can ask on a business development call and why. And I want to tell you about it so you can join it. You can subscribe completely free. You can go to recruitmentmentors.com forward slash limitless hyphen learning. That's recruitmentmentors.com forward slash limitless learning or you can go on recruitmentmentors.com and you'll get hit with one of those pop-up messages where you can sign up but i wanted to tell you about it if you're here to learn and develop then why not get direct tips and advice directly into your inbox so sign up and join the thousands of other recruiters that already signed up that are motivated to be better than yesterday enjoy the episode Welcome to the Recruitment Mentors podcast. My name is Hisham Azuz. We are back with another installment of the 15 Minutes with a Mentor series where we interview some of the brilliant mentors that we've onboarded and welcome to the Recruitment Mentors community platform. And in this series, really simply, we're going to ask uh, seven questions in 15 minutes to find out how they've overcome their biggest challenge to understanding a bit about uh, the most effective way that they've won business. So um, today I'm delighted to be joined by Nick, but Nick, let me hand it over to you to introduce yourself and then I'm going to ask you the first question. Brilliant. Thank you, mate. I, I'm Nick Grantham. I'm one of the principal consultants at Zebra People uh, and I focus on the uh, user experience and product design markets um, as I have done for almost 10 years now. So uh, yeah, one of the old dogs, I think. But here I am. First question I have for you and what I'd love to hear is what what has been sort of your biggest challenge so far this year? And how have you overcome it? Um, I would say this year, without doubt, obviously, everyone's going to talk about COVID and off the back of that has been homeschooling. So I've got two kids, a six year old and a three year old. The three year old, we've had a nursery, thankfully, but um, the six year old, Having him at home, my wife working full time and myself full time in a really busy market has been quite a stretch. So, uh, yeah, without doubt, that has been the, the hardest part, you know, when you're especially when you've got colleagues who are, you know, they, they're, they're single, they don't have kids or they can just crack on with work. And, you know, the market is buzzing as it has been. You know, we went into this quarter thinking, right, it's going to bounce back. And it really has done. Um, and, and then some. But knowing that the market's busy your colleagues are busy and you're there doing your times tables or drawing a dinosaur with a six-year-old. Uh, that's That's been pretty pretty frustrating. But um, to overcome it, my wife and I, we, we just had to, to get really sort of smart with it uh, and essentially work two jobs in a day, you know, where we would you know, split up the times and figure out who's going to be doing what at what time um, and then uh, basically making it all up in the evening. So, uh, so yeah, glad the schools have gone back, but um, pretty, that's the only way we really could do it, to be honest. But yeah, it was pretty tough, but we've we've got through it. 
Love that. Communication, time management, not important <laughs> just in recruitment, but important in relationships and being a parent. That's it. Well, my wife is a lot more organized than I am. So I basically just did what she told me um, <laughs> when, 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 I, when she told me to do it. So that's that's how we survived it, by, by doing what I'm I told. love that. So it's the next question I have. We've, we've seen all all the polls on LinkedIn about work, like doing a work from home, flexible, all the normal stuff. So like, I'd be, I'd be silly not to ask this, but from your lens, from the clients you deal with, from the people you speak to every day, like how do you see the future of work? Is it fully remote? Is it hybrid? A couple of days in the office, a couple of days at home. Is it back in the office? Like what, or is it a combination of all of them? So what do you see the future of work looking like and why? I think it will be varied. Uh, it's a bit of a woolly answer to give, but I think there's so many different scenarios, different sectors, different lifestyles um, that will, will want different things. Um, so, you know, if you had just the same type of sector, the same type of recruitment company, but different people in there, they're going to, re- you know, some people might want to be in the office more often than not and shoulder to shoulder with their pals and socialising and all that. Other people might live further out and have family commitments. And so that sort of remote working element will really work for them. Um, but it also depends on that person's responsibilities. You know, if they're managing a team, um, there is something to be said for, for for having that much more face time with the people reporting to you. Um, you know, are you going to be as effective when your whole team's in the office and you're working at home managing them, you know, five days a week? Similarly, with certain clients, um, you know, they're, they're, you've got to go out for meetings, same with candidates as well. Uh, that might be more of a thing for other sectors. I'm not too sure, but... Definitely. I th- I, I, if it was for me, I, I'm looking at a, a hybrid setup um, and, you know, two, three days from home uh, and two, three days in the office. Um, but, but having the flexibility to change that up and down, you know, week by week, depending on what's needed. You know, I, I think that, that's the sort of structure that, that will win is, is having that, that ability to be flexible. Yeah, love that. What, so I know you said it's bounced back and it's been busy, but what, what's been the most effective way for you personally, or maybe in your, you can refer on your colleagues and your team, but what's been the most effective way for you guys to win business so far this year? To be honest with you, we're, we're quite fortunate. A lot of it has just come in, you know, from, from clients looking and obviously we've got a reputation within the market or our own personal brands. So, that, so that's been great. Um, in terms of, of new business, it's just, it's so different to how it was peak covid where you know, scratching around, you know, giving all these different offers, fifteen percent here for you know, hundred percent rebate for three months, blah blah. Anything to, to try and get some business um, you know, moving still. And now, um, I, I think we're just really managing expectations with with clients that come in and not being afraid to turn away clients if we don't think we're actually going to be able to, to service them properly. But in terms of doing business development. Um, I can't admit to doing a whole lot different in, in all honesty. You know, we've, we've had a lot of our regular clients who know the business and, and a lot of my contacts who, who know me. Um, and uh, we've been quite lucky in, in that respect. Again, that's not a very useful answer, um, but we haven't had to do a lot of proactive BD. Uh, if anything, we've, we've focused on the ones where we know we, we know a contact at the client who's looking and it was a fairly soft approach in order to, to win the business. But that's just a sign of the market now, um, at least for permanent contracts is still a bit harder. And contracts have been quite up and down as well due to IR35, I found anyway. But for permanent recruitment, um, it's been pretty, you know, the harder part has been finding candidates, let alone, you know, the client's bit has been quite, quite easy, dare I say it. Yeah, interesting. So 
next question I have for you is I want to know what advice would you give to Nick Grantham who is entering recruitment for the very first time? What what advice if you could go and speak to Nick first week in recruitment? What company do you work? What was the first company you worked oh, for? The first company I worked for was called IT Skill Finder. It was still running. Good, uh, good little IT. You know, like so many recruiters start off in IT. It was an IT recruitment for banks, and I would have been twenty six, twenty seven. I just came back from working in in sales abroad, um, in quite hardcore sales, and uh, I thought I was going to find recruitment a piece of piss because you know we're doing all this <laughs> hardcore sales stuff. And uh, I remember like having this, this conversation with a candidate who just got really upset because some of the questions I was asking and he blasted me on the phone and I pretty much gave it back. And then uh, my boss was sitting next to me. He was like, you know, are you okay? You're not too shaken up. And I, cause I've been in this other environment beforehand. I just thought that's how it was. I just thought, well, yeah, absolutely fine. And then it was there on, I started realizing actually I've got, a, this is quite a much more closed market. I need to look after my uh, reputation a bit more. Um, and uh, but yeah, IT skill fund, they're still running. That was IT. Um, I would say if I was back then, as much as it, it's nice to, to sort of follow where the money's at, and you've got you know companies like that work within quite quite lucrative markets. For me, and it's part of the reason why I moved from IT recruitment into digital design recruitment is to to really follow where your passion's at. I think the money and success will come wherever you put the time in. But in order to really stick with it, especially in recruitment with how many highs and lows there are, um, you've got to be able to do it in an area that you have some sort of passion for. Um, and I know there's been various subjects about people falling into recruitment and stuff like that. But the thing that I say to people that I'm interviewing even, I say, look, why do you want to work with us in this sector? Because what's your passion? What do you want to do? Because there's pretty much a recruitment sector for every single thing you can, yeah. you can possibly do. So, you know, my big thing is is design and cars. So maybe I should have looked at automotive recruitment, but I went with design instead. Um, and uh, and it's turned out nicely. And it, it I couldn't have done IT recruitment, um, for, you know, until I retire because I just wouldn't have enough passion for it. I'm sure lots of people do, and that's great. But yeah, my advice would be to to really follow something that means something to you, something that means that you can stick to it, especially at those those lower times. And, uh, and yeah, you know, I didn't get into UX and design recruitment until I was about 28 years old. And, uh, you know, so I've got people in their, their early to mid-20s now saying, oh, no, you've done well, you've done well. And I'm like, well, yeah, I've done all right. But they're like early to mid-20s. So if they can get in it and start, you know, start doing well now, they should be a lot more successful than 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 I am 10 years later. But the, the, you just got to find that, that sector that's right for you early on, I think. Yeah, love that. So next, second to last question. Um, actually, no, no, actually, no, I nearly missed one. So the next question is, what has been the sort of, I, I put, chose the word funniest, but it doesn't have to be the funniest, but basically what has been the most memorable candidate excuse that you've heard in your career? <laughs> yeah, most memorable candidate excuse. Oh, do you know what? I had one yeah do you know what it's annoyed me as well because this cat is like a lead level candidate and i was having a particularly good month or quarter and so by this person not he, he got offered the role so i i we gone through the motions of interviews all that sort of stuff and then he got offered i took him for a lunch to celebrate the client even met him for a lunch before he was due to start so you know by that point you're thinking this that was solid this is yeah, rock yeah. solid isn't it and uh, and then it was a few days before he was due to start this role. 
And this role, how do you have started? It, it basically, because you know, it, it accumulates onto you know how much other commission you make. It, it, I would have made two two grand off of it. So him not starting cost me two grand effectively. And I was really pissed off because it was a few days before he's due to start. So I thought I'd do the good thing, check in, and just make sure you know everything's fine. Obviously, he's had two free lunches, so you think yeah, he should be cushy. And he's not picking up. He's not returning the calls. And all of a sudden, you're in that zone. You know that horrible place. You're like. Why isn't he? Why isn't he returning my calls? Like it's been a day now. He still hasn't come back to me. And you start thinking, oh shit. And eventually, I think this is on like the morning before he was due to start, or maybe even something like that. I think it must have been the morning before. And uh, he he texts me. Doesn't he? Couldn't give no no guts to even call me, which really fucked me off even more. But he was all texting me and saying about his. Girlfriend, you know, his sister was tied up in like some sort of, it sounded like some sort of mafia dealings, or his sister was tied up with some gangster boyfriends. He had to go back to America to sort it all out and all this stuff. I mean, fuck, maybe it was true, in which case, yeah, probably the right thing to do to help your sister out if you, you know, she's involved with some sort of gangster. But I don't know, it all sounded very, very far fetched. And then I kept tabs on him, as you do. And, you know, he started a new job not too long after. So I was like, well, we couldn't have been. You know, do you know what I mean? He couldn't have been um, that far deep in gangster land to have started a brand new job uh, a couple of weeks later. So it must, I, I presume it must have been bullshit. But yeah, that, that, was, that, was, that was quite memorable, but in a normally yeah. frustrating way. <laughs> right. So, so the next question I had was it, it's a bit more of a scenario. So basically, what, what I want to know from you is how you would approach this scenario. So, so the scenario is a particular client business that you've been trying to get in with for some time. A business that you feel really confident that you can help finally buy it. So you might expect in a CV, send out a mail shot or whatever, they, they buy it and they say, hey, look, Nick, look, you've tried to reach us a couple of times. Look, it'd be good to set up a call. So you prepare for that call. Call is going really well. But when it gets to the sort of crunch time of like, right, okay, next steps or let's talk about fees and, and how we can work together, they hit you with the, the classic, well, look, at the moment, we have a PSL. We're happy with the PSL. So look, I'm glad that I had this call, but we can't really go any further. So what what I want to know is how what would you say or like how would you approach that conversation to progress it or yes, what, how would you approach it? Yeah, that old chestnut. Um, it, yeah, it, it's it can catch you on the back foot, foot, although you should you should expect it to come in many cases. Um, I think what I've done in the past or what I might be tempted to do if I was in that situation again would be to talk about, you know, it's fine that you've got PSL, that's, you know, it's great that you're respectful of your, your PSL, you know, that's how I'd want to be treated if I was on that PSL, but then what areas, and I'd be conscious of how I ask the question as well, so rather than saying, you know, do they have any areas, I'd say what areas, so being assumptive about areas that they might have struggled on so far or any particular roles that you remember them struggling on. Um, and, you know, by asking the right way, I'd, I'd like to think that might open up and say, you know, oh, actually, yeah, they took a bit longer to find this person or they, fair enough, they did actually struggle with that. And then hone in on that and try and make that your, your key sell and say, well, look, that's actually an area that I've got a colleague that specialises in or that I can specialise in. So, you know, why don't the next time we go for a, a, you, you brief your guys on a particular role? Um, I can work it slightly in the background and sort of send you profiles that are um, anonymous um, and, and see if that, you know, that, that compares uh, better than your current guys and in, in, in a better time frame. It's just that extra foot in the door to either keep the conversation going or keep you in mind to give you that chance. Because once you've got that chance, that's where you can really exploit it. Um, but one thing that I was actually taught in my sales days was um, 
was was was, was abbreviated to AYC. This is that means uh, agree your point and then close. So in terms of them giving me a, an excuse, I would agree with it first of all. Make sure you know they know you're on their level. You're not just trying to say oh but what this or you know disagree with them. You, you, you're getting on their level and you're appreciating the fact that they've got this PSL. And then your point might be okay, well actually, but surely there's some areas which you might struggle on, and maybe that'd be beneficial to have another recruitment partner who could you know find a better version or do it quicker. You know surely that would make sense to do. That's your point, and then the close would come in and say, "Well, on that basis, I'm not saying you need to put me on the PSL, but why don't you just work me alongside it? I can work it anonymously, and you can just see how I can compare. You know, is that fair enough? Um, and, and see how that goes. Obviously, it's not guaranteed, um, but you're you're sort of getting on their level and giving them a logical explanation as to why it could could be worthwhile than than giving you a, a chance. So it can be quite hard to to rebut you know a logical answer sometimes. I love that. I think that's a great question to ask, trying to find out if there's any gaps. And then, yeah, if, if you find a gap that you know that you can, you're really confident you can feel with support, then then that's awesome. So final question is, what sort of non-negotiable do you live by each day that you feel has a massive impact on your productivity and helps you maximise each day in recruitment? Um, I think a topic that, that's been discussed a few times actually in the... Um, uh, in the forum, in the, in the recruitment mentors forum, is uh, is lists, um, and lots of people have much more uh, strategic lists than I follow. Um, I've got quite a crude one, which is where I just basically use my Microsoft Outlook calendar. But it's essentially a to do list. So at the end of each day, I'll run through what have I still got left to do, and to think about right, well, what what can I um, move on to the next day? Are they time relevant, or am I just putting them onto the next day as a to do list? Obviously, there's a certain amount of discipline to make sure that you are, you're not just past following things every day, just thinking, so you're forwarding on the same list from one day to the other, to the other. you still got to action it. But for me, it just gives me a little bit more of a structure as to what I need to achieve the next day. And at least it's in my mind at the end of the day before as to you know, what, what's, what, what I've got to do. Um, and I'll also run through my emails at the end of each day and just see whatever I flag because inevitably, as you're going through your daily business and you're resourcing on the phone, you know emails will come in that you won't always try and you won't always be able to respond to straight away. So I flag them, um, but I know that at the end of the day or throughout the course of the day, I'll revisit those flags. Uh, and this is where my OCD will come into play because I don't I want to start the next day with basically no flags. Um, so I'll either change the flags into a to do. So I know I'm going to get back to it and get it done, or I'll respond to that email. Again, I just I always like to make sure I get back to people within a certain time frame. Time frame. I'm one of those people who, you know, if you send me a text message or a WhatsApp or an email, I don't like to see that that thing still showing as unread. Um, and, and you know, I'm only human, so inevitably there will be some people who slip the net, and some people who I won't get back to if they've just referred to me, you know, in the wrong name, and it's just a spam email, whatever. But otherwise, I will always try and get back to people or I put them on a to-do list for the next day alongside the actions. So, again, it's quite crude. It, it's not the most strategic thing to do in the world, but it just means that I know I'm achieving certain things um, within each day that I've put on there as some sort of relevance or importance. So, bare minimum, I'm getting a few of those to-dos done uh, along with all the usual recruitment fun. Yeah, I, I think I think the key, the key there is that you do that the, the night before, right? I think that's the... The, um, yeah, so yeah, I think that's, that's it. Right. Not before, run through any to dos and then make sure I've got back to everyone 
um, who's, who's got in touch with me for whatever reason. And if I haven't got back to them um, because I'm dependent on some other bit of information or whatever, then I at least put them as a to-do for the next day. So, yeah. you know, again, I think recruiters can be known for sort of ghosting people quite a lot. Um, and I, I try not to. I try and get back to as many people as I can um, or anyone that gets in touch with me. As long as there's some relevance there, you know, sometimes if I'll get approached that is, some, uh, is obviously just a spam email or just totally irrelevant to me, then I might still get back to them, but otherwise they'll, they'll go lower down the list. Love that. Nick, that's 15 minutes of a mentor. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Hopefully it helps some way, but um, yeah, my, my pleasure and thanks for having me on, on the show.